Well, hey, good evening, New Hope Community Church. We're thankful that you're able to join us this uh, Good Friday for online church. Uh, we'll be taking communion at the conclusion, and we're going to seal this time with uh, receiving the Lord's Supper. So if you could have your bread and juice ready uh, as we get into our service uh, tonight. And I want to take this time and I want to take Jesus' last words here on earth, crucified on the cross, Jesus' cry of submission, His message of the cross of, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and apply that to the central message of submission and surrender. That's the power and wisdom of God. You guys got that? So we're going to take the message of the cross of Jesus Christ of submission of Father into your, into your hands I commit my spirit and the wisdom and power of God. Submission at the cross and the wisdom and power of God. And we're going to go through two texts uh, this morning. And uh, before we get into our Bibles, um, February 15th, 2000, 2015, a video was published by ISIS showing a mass beheading of 21 Egyptian Christians. It shows them being brought to a beach. And one of the embedded subheadings in the video says this, People of the cross, followers of the hostile Egyptian church. And they wanted to send a message to Christians after the brutal beheadings of these, of these uh, Egyptian Christians. The Egyptian church released the names of the 20 of the 21 Men. It turns out that the 21st man who was killed was originally a non-Christian from Chad. He saw the immense faith of the other 20 men. They were friends. They worked together. So when the terrorist asked him if he rejected Jesus, he said, Their God is my God, knowing that he would be killed. The head of the Egyptian Bible Society said this about the incident. These young men were simple workers trying to make a living in Libya. They were, highly they were not highly educated. Some were illiterate. But when they were assassinated so brutally, their stability, they were praying. They were not screaming or yelling, but they were peaceful. And as they were praying, as they died, they said, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Isis said that they give them a chance to repent, but they didn't. And what seemed like a tragedy for these young men turned out to be one of the greatest acts of witness in the 21st century. You see, for them, Christians in the Middle East and a good portion of believers, as people of the cross, that means death. And the question is, what does it mean for us to identify as a people of the cross in the United States? I mean, we're comfortable. We're safe. Some of you, including myself, have come here from other countries to pursue the American dream. But what does it mean to follow Christ? And how does Jesus cry at the cross of, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit how does that apply to my life as the wisdom and the power of God in the cross? 
So let's turn to our two scriptures tonight. The first one is in Luke chapter 23, and the second one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Luke 23, verses 44, it says this, It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain out of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. And we're going to turn to our next text in 1 Corinthians. So Jesus' last words and the wisdom of God, which is the message of the cross, the power and the wisdom of God. Verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, your word says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So, Lord, here we are spiritually hungry, spiritually thirsty, Lord, as we celebrate, as we commemorate, as we remember your ultimate sacrifice at the cross and your seven sayings and you crying this cry of submission. I pray, Lord, that you would stir in our hearts, that you would open our eyes, that we would see wonderful things from your law, and that we would experience what it means to be a people of the cross, to live out the crucified and to follow the crucified Savior, and to surrender and to let go and to trust you in everything that we do. So, Lord, would you change us? Would you transform us from the inside out? For the sake of your glory and your great name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I have three main points for us tonight of, as we reflect on this cry of submission and what it means to be a people of the cross and how the wisdom of God is applied in our lives through Jesus' final last words. The first is this. Would you write this down? That Jesus bore God's judgment because He bore our sins. So Jesus, He bore the judgment of God, and the reason He bore the judgment of God is because at the same time, He bore our sins. Now, how do we know that Jesus bore our sins from this text? Well, it says that the, the darkness uh, preceding the cry of submission, it gives us the answer. Let's look at earlier in Luke chapter 23, verse 44. It was now about noon, right in the middle of the day. It was noontime and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining. You see, darkness, it overcame, it it overtook the whole land and it wasn't because that there were clouds it wasn't because it was an overcast day it says for the sun it stopped shining now why would Luke put that 
why would that be such remember Luke is a physician right so he is a doctor he's he has an eye for details he's meticulous why would he put that because he understood in the Bible that darkness typically sets the table prior to God's judgment it's the precursor it's the appetizer before the main course see before people before God judged in the Bible, the Old and New Testament, there would first be darkness. You knew that the judgment of God would happen because it would be darkness. When uh, Renee and I were dating, um, one of my close friends, I led him to the Lord. Uh, he got saved, got baptized, and um, he was an executive chef. And so as a favor, he started, you know, making reservations to all these fine dining spots and, you know, became a little bit of a foodie for a short period there. And we'd go to a um, hotel, not hotel, but we would go to restaurants in Beverly Hills. And, you know, they would have these appetizers, these poopoos, right? And they would be all uh, immaculate. It would be just small servings. And you'd take these little small servings and they would have like olive, like, uh, olive oil, um, sampling mixed with cheese sampling and just like see how earthy this one's more flavorful this one is more um, floral this one's more fruit like and and you would have these different appetizers and knowing these appetizers if you knew the appetizers were going to be good you know that the main course was going to be good uh, well in the same vein uh, if you knew there was going to be darkness in the old testament it usually was a precursor to god's judgment let's look at two passages in the old testament all right let's look at exodus chapter 10 verse 22 so moses extended his hand toward heaven and there was absolute darkness throughout the land of egypt for three days so three days there was absolute darkness you know what happened after darkness three days boom it preceded the darkness preceded the killing of every firstborn male egyptian let's look at our next text it says, the whole earth will rise like the river Nile. It will surge upward, then grow calm like the Nile in Egypt. In that day, says the sovereign Lord, I will make the sun set at noon and make the earth dark in the middle of the day. So we knew that God would judge Jesus, his son, and Jesus would bear on God's judgment because in the middle of the day, it was completely dark. See, the last sign of God's judgment is prefaced by darkness. Now, don't forget that God's judgment for Egypt meant God's salvation for Israel. What was a curse for Egypt was a blessing to Israel. But here, the judgment is not against Pharaoh, but upon his only begotten son. Not, not against a rebel refusing to obey God's word, but against a humble servant whose obedience demanded death on the cross. Remember Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane, Lord, if at all possible, let this cup pass from me. And this is the true exodus of the people of God that through the Passover lamb, Jesus, 
the, the angel death passed over us because Jesus died in our place. He bore God's judgment. He bore our sins. Then we could have eternal life. We are blessed because Jesus became cursed and Christ redeemed us from the curse by becoming a curse for us. He took our place. He became our substitutionary atonement for our sins. He died vicariously. He became our substitute. He became a curse so that we could be blessed. All right. While it was still dark in the middle of the day, darkness, we knew that God would judge his only begotten son. Secondly, would you write this down? The cross is letting go of control and choosing to trust God. The cross is letting go of control and choosing to trust God. There are seven sayings. In the different Gospels, from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's seven sayings. In the beginning, the first saying says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In the middle of that, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the end, it is, My God, or Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. There's over 20 instances of Jesus praying in the New Testament. There's only once. When Jesus bore our sin at the cross, did he refer to him as my God? All the other times that Jesus prays to God the Father, he refers to him as Father. And over here, uh, Jesus hanging on the cross, it shows that Jesus was willing to let go of control and fully choose to trust God. You know, the most depicted scene in art is the crucifixion. Jesus hanging on the cross, he lets go, he submits, he commits his spirit into the Father, he surrenders of his sense of control, his sense of will, not my will, but your will be done, and he completely trusts God. Jesus, the creator of the universe, has all the power. He could say one word and he could crucify all of them instead of them crucify him. With one word, he could crucify all of them. In one instant, with one word, he could have ended all of this. But he chose to let go of control and open-handedly surrender to God and trust the Father. He lets go of control and trust the Father in this moment. And this is a picture of the ultimate letting go and submission. Remember earlier in the, in the day when Jesus is betrayed and arrested in Matthew 26? Let's go ahead and turn there. Matthew 26, 52-53. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and He will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? At once, Jesus could send 12 legions of angels. New Testament scholar uh, Craig Keener states that a Roman legion is usually about 6,000 specially trained, specially skilled soldiers. 6,000. But Jesus says he could summon, he could summon with one word, 12 legions. 6,000 times 12 is how many? 72,000 angels 
to the people who were spitting at him, for the people who were mocking him, for the people who were beating him, for the people who said crucify him. At one word, he could pronounce and summon 72,000 angels. Now, why is that a big deal? Well, we know from scripture that uh, two angels could completely destroy a city in one day. Sodom and Gomorrah, destroyed by two angels. Also, in 2 Kings 19-35, when we consider that one angel killed 185,000 Assyrians in one night, 72,000 angels could theoretically could kill 13,320,000,000 people, almost double the population of the earth which is 7.9 in one night. And Jesus, he could have called them all. Jesus, he could have summoned them. But he surrenders, he lets go, and he trusts the Father. Jesus shows what it means to let go at the cross. He lets go of control, of vengeance, of anger, of bitterness, of vindication, of revenge. And trust God completely, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus is God incarnate and he was completely a human being. Jesus wills his own crucifixion. Jesus is very much Lord, but he lets go of control and he allows himself to be crucified. He makes the final sacrifice as the lamb for our sins. He wipes out sin and his blood was shed. He becomes a curse for the sake of us and in the place of us. He takes the judgment for our sins and bears it all under the cross. He drinks the cup of judgment for all the sins of humanity, past, present, and future, though he didn't deserve it. He takes the judgment that we deserve. As a result, forgiveness is offered to the whole world. He reconciles the world to himself. He defeats the devil. He reveals something of who God is like, like nothing else on this earth through his submission at the cross. Consider the depth of Christ's commitment of letting go and trusting the Father. At his birth, Jesus was surrounded by beasts and animals. At his death, Jesus is surrounded by criminals. Let no one ever say that God has stayed aloof from the brokenness of our fallen world. He descended so that we might ascend with him to newness of life. And Jesus letting go of control and completely trusting God is a fulfillment of, the, of a messianic prophecy in Psalm chapter 31, verses 3 to 5. In verse 3 it says, You are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me. O Lord and faithful God. You know, as king, Jesus was in control. He was in control when he was asleep on the boat and the boat was rocking and the seas were raging. He was in control when soldiers came to arrest him. Pilate thought he was in control, but Jesus 
assured him that he was mistaken. And Jesus, in verse 30, it also says he gave up his spirit. He delivered up his spirit to the Father because his blood has been shed, the prophecies has been fulfilled, and the agreed upon schedule was completed. His death was not an accident, but it was an appointment. He remained as a master of himself, unconquered by death. See, the cross, church, brothers and sisters in Christ, the cross is letting go of control and trusting God completely. This is the central core of the Christian life, is letting go of our willful control of our life and choosing to trust God. And letting go, it's not like Manny Pacquiao, Filipino boxer, clenched fist. It's not with clenched fist that we let go, but it's with an open palm of surrender. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Behind letting it go, somewhere behind it, all of it, of letting go of our pride, letting go of our rights, letting go of our privileges, letting go of of things that we are entitled to, when we, you and I let that go, somewhere behind that is to the living God that I'm going to trust Him. Choosing to let go means I, I understand I'm part of something bigger in life, and that is God's plan. This living and active God, His good and His love endures forever. I may not know what is going on, but I know that He is good. And I'm going to let go of control and I'm going to trust you. When you and I let go, we're not letting it go into the air. We're not letting it go into this mystical, ethereal space. But we're letting it go to the living God. So from Jesus submitting control and completely trusting God with this life 2,000 years ago to you today, April 15th. 2022, what are the things that you're having difficulty surrendering and trusting God? It can be big, it can be small. About four months ago, I get a phone call. You guys know we were at the Academy Learning Hub and um, we were notified as of January, late December 2021, that we weren't able to meet for in-person service. And, you know, just when we we're picking up steam and just there was an uptick in church and we were just um, getting the ball rolling and boom, we weren't allowed to meet for three months. In January, I get a phone call from one of the tenants here and says, hey, uh, is this New Hope Community Church? I'm like, yeah, is this Pastor John? I was like, yeah. And, and this person said, hey, we're thinking about putting together a class action lawsuit because this is a breach of contract. They're not allowed to do this. Would you want to be a part of this um, lawsuit? And I said, no, um, I don't want to be any part of that. You know, the, the people at the Academy Learning Hub, they've been great community partners. They've worked with us. They open a door when everybody else is closed and I'm not going to turn my back on them and, you know, they're doing their best, so we're not going to be a part of it. I'm going to, you see, you and I, with big decisions, we have, we have an option. 
Am I gonna resist? Am I gonna fight? Am I gonna sue for our rights as a church? Or, or am I gonna surrender control and trust that God is the head of the church? It could be something smaller, like this week, um, preparing for Easter, I had to preach three different messages on seven days in one week's time. Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and two Easter services. I have to preach a message. And uh, during this time, I, I started uh, when I'm kind of stressed. Thank God it hasn't happened in two years, but I, I begin to develop an eye twitch and I can't um, turn my brain off because I'm always thinking of the next message and I, can't, I have a hard time sleeping. So I have this eye twitch and my back started aching. Um, I threw out my back about three years ago and, um, and I could feel like, oh, my back is tensing up. And on top of that, I have to give three, you know, three messages. And so on Thursday, um, Ezra got sick and Renee's like, hey, I need to drive out. Ezra does not want to stay with me. He's giving me a hard time. Could I drop him? He said he'd be okay if, you, he, if he stays with you at the office. I'm like, ha, ah, you got to preach. I got to study. I got to prepare. I got to do this online service. I got to prepare for Sunday, prepare for Friday. <sighs> okay, God, you know, I'm just going to surrender this unto you. And after that, uh, you know, uh, Renee's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm caught in traffic. Do you think you can pick up Judah as well? I'm like, oh. See, you and I have a choice. Are we going to fight? Are we going to resist? Are we going to be angry? Are we going to be resentful? Are we going to hold on? Or are we going to, Lord, not my will, but your will be done? You know, what does it look like to be, here's a shameless plug for our small groups, but what does it look like to be an emotionally healthy follower of Jesus? Does it mean that I get frustrated and scold Ezra and get mad at the situation and hold bitterness? Or does it make the most surrender and trust God completely? Like, oh Lord, these are your people. These are your words. You know the hairs on my head. You know exactly what's going to happen. You've allowed this to happen. So I'm going to submit to you and I'm going to have a good attitude. So I took Ezra. I was like, hey, Ezzy, you want some candy? We have some church candy over here it's like all right and trying to do my work and pastor pratt came in needed to do the announcements and as he wasn't feeling well so it's like uh, instead of getting mad i was like okay you know what let's uh ezra what's your favorite lunch did you want to go to genki sushi where they have the train and you could get your your spam um nigiri and um the hot dog on the rice nigiri he goes, yeah yeah and so we got him that even got him dessert and just kind of hung out you see, we could fight and hold on and resist what God is doing and what God is allowing us to go through. Or we let go of control, we surrender, we commit ourselves, our spirit, our schedules, our lives, our priorities, our ideals, and surrender it before the cross. So some of you, Tonight, you have unfulfilled dreams. Maybe you didn't get into your dream college or you didn't get into, you're not in your ideal living space or your ideal job. Maybe for some of us, it's um, infertility, not being able to have a child. 
and not be, um, maybe you've lost um, a stillborn child. Maybe it's weakness in health. Maybe it's financial setbacks. Maybe you just had a traumatic childhood of abuse and physical abuse and verbal abuse, maybe even sexual abuse. And there's some things that, God, why did you allow this to happen? Maybe you have a, a child who has special needs and you don't, um, you don't know what to do. May I encourage you, church, tonight, as we receive the communion, this Good Friday, would you demonstrate and live out the power of God, the wisdom of God in the cross, the wisdom of God is displayed in submission and surrender and humility. When we do that, we, as we see in point number three, submission to God results in the worship of God. Look at verse 47. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. So as we partake communion tonight, would you examine yourself? Search your heart. It could be big. It could be small. It could be a situation from the past. It could be something in the future or something that you're going through right now where you are having difficulty surrendering. You have a difficulty of maybe a sense of control, a control like ideal situation, ideal schedule, your ideal future, your ideal circumstance, whatever it is. Surrender it before Jesus and trust God completely. Amen. Let's uh, take our communion. For I receive from the Lord, which now deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, he gave thanks and said, this is my body broken for you. Eat of this in remembrance of me. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we submit ourselves to you this evening, this Good Friday, we remember not only your sacrifice, we remember not only you laying down your life, we remember not only you being the Passover lamb, but Lord, we remember the wisdom and the power of the cross, that the power of the cross and the wisdom of the cross is displayed in humility and submission and surrender to your will. So Lord, I pray right now, if there's any sins that we're holding on to, any, um, big things or small things that we cannot let go and give you full control. We pray that you forgive us. Lord, we lay down all of our deferred dreams, Lord, unfulfilled dreams, our heartbreaks, our situations, our cross that we're not able to bear, that we have a tight fist to. We let go we, of control and we trust you completely. So Lord, as we eat this bread, we pray for grace and strength. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's go ahead and eat of the bread. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Drink of this as often as you eat. For as often as you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until, the, until he comes. So let's proclaim the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, and let's drink the cup together. Amen. 
Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us this Good Friday. I pray that you continue to um, get into and be devoted to online church for if you're not able to join us. And Lord willing, we'll see you guys for Easter. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord give you peace. Amen. We love you guys. Hope to see you this coming Easter. Have an amazing weekend.